0: Welcome
1: to Merricks Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello everybody, I am Claudia Wessling, Head of Publications at Merricks thanks for joining me for another Merrick's podcast. I am joined today here in Berlin by Jane Duckett. Jane is the director of the Scottish Center for China Research at the University of Glasgow. She examines Chinese public policy with a focus on health politics and is one of the editors of a recent publication by our institute dealing with China's social development agenda and the role IT and innovation play in reform efforts currently underway in China. Uh, Great to have you here, Jane. Welcome. We want to talk about Chinas healthcare system today, which is a very complicated topic. I think we will only scratch the surface, but we'll do our best to inform our listeners out there. Um, Recently, Jane, there have been a lot of reports in Western, but also Chinese media of a looming crisis in China's healthcare system. Um, We hear about long lines that characterize the entry halls of Chinese hospitals, some people even setting up beds in corridors waiting for a doctor's appointment. We hear about patients not being able to pay their medical bills in case they fall seriously ill. On the other hand, there's also a shortage of health personnel. Doctors are overworked and at the same time also get to feel the anger of patients. There have been reports of doctors being physically attacked by patients. What would you say? Is China's healthcare system in a deep crisis?
0: I think many of these problems that we see today are problems that people have been talking about in China's healthcare system since the early 2000s. So for at least the last 15 years or so. So I I don't see there's a new imminent crisis in the sense these problems have just been there for a long time, and they are still unresolved. Um, And there are many problems, but there has also been quite significant progress in some areas, you know, significant increases in investment and spending on health. But nevertheless, these huge problems which also do lead to dissatisfaction among certain segments of the population.
1: The system has uh, changed quite gravely. Uh, you, you mentioned it yourself. In the past, there used to be this kind of socialist healthcare system. Everything was cared for. Of course, services were very basic, but still, this added to a, an improvement of the situation of people on the ground, right? Uh, they had this certain level of healthcare they could rely on. Um, nowadays, this is completely changed, right? They have an insurance system. I hear that for poor people, it's very difficult to afford medical healthcare. And we have this shortage of health workers. I would say one billion Chinese people, and only 12 million health workers to take care of them. What are, in your opinion, the main challenges China's healthcare system is facing, and where should they start to solve problems? What is the most pressing issue here?
0: The big pressing issues are around training the right kind of healthcare mm. workers to um, deliver the sort of primary care. Really, I think everyone who looks at china's healthcare system is is agreed that if they could invest more in primary care if they could train and provide better primary healthcare through you know better doctors both in r- especially in rural areas but also in uh, urban areas then that would go a long way to making the system more efficient at the moment you do have some very good doctors and some very good hospitals with you know very high tech provision but but it's available really and only affordable for the better off in the country. So there's this big inequality, which has to a certain extent been there, but is bigger than it used to be. Is bigger than it was in the past. So in the so-called sort of socialist kind of healthcare system, the, the system that was there in the, under the planned economy, there were actually big differences between urban and rural in particular. So urban dwellers on the whole had their healthcare provided free through their work unit, villagers had a much less generous kind of provision. Uh, the Beford doctors, of course, are kind of worldwide famous, were very good at delivering kind of basic sanitation, but really not very much in the way of curative care to people in rural areas. But the thing is that expectations at that point weren't so high. And Mm -hmm. and this is a problem that China faces, and it's a problem that all healthcare systems face, is that expectations for the level of care are constantly increasing as people learn about new technologies, new provisions, or they become aware of what's happening in other parts of their country or other parts of the world. So there's this kind of constant uh, rising, uh, you know, this kind of rising level of expectation that healthcare systems everywhere, to a certain extent, find it difficult to keep up with. But I think in China, probably the expectations have changed very quickly as people have got better off. And the problems they've had is finding the spending for that and really correcting what is very unequal public spending in terms of where it goes. So public spending still goes really skewed very much towards actually middle class people in the cities rather than poorer people in in rural areas or poorer people in the cities.
1: And um, how does China try to improve this primary care? I could imagine that it is very difficult to, first of all, find enough people who would want to embark on that kind of education. And secondly, how do you get them to move to rural areas who are Mm -hmm. sometimes not as advanced as the, the urbanized areas and big
0: cities? That's right. One of the big problems is to get people to go into poor rural areas or even to work in community care, community services, which are very important in the cities. Those, All those jobs are generally less well paid and, you know, obviously sometimes in, in places that are not particularly attractive to live for, for people who perhaps, you know, been educated in in urban areas so that is a real problem and one of the ways you can do it is is by really encouraging people by giving them better pay perhaps rotating people and so forth and but, is that happening not enough i mean in in some cities and in the richer cities the primary care is improving you do get better trained doctors now but that's because they're in the middle of a big city and so you don't have this problem attracting people So some cities are doing some interesting things. They're introducing, you know, kind of GP, general practitioner type systems or other kinds of family doctors. Uh, There's lots of attempts to then link those in with the higher levels of care, creating kind of consortia or other kinds of units where doctors might have an incentive to work within a sort of bigger organisation and where you might get better funding. But, you know, these are isolated cases. they may be experiments. They're not really solving the problem in lots of other parts of the country.
1: Mm, Sounds like a big Mm. challenge. Mm. Uh, How about the urban areas? I mean, the the examples I mentioned in the beginning um, of these overcrowded hospitals, that is what happens also in Beijing and Shanghai and cities like that. It seems that those problems are really grave and that people are on the verge of really protesting against what's happening there. What kind of measures is the Chinese government taking to try to improve the situation here?
0: They are constantly setting targets to increase the numbers of beds in hospitals, building new hospitals, allowing private hospitals also to take up some of the the sort of slack from the public healthcare system. That you know, investing a lot in in what's going on in general, the amount of GDP, the share of GDP spent on health is increasing. But one of the problems they have is a kind of interesting unwillingness to really uh, introduce a gatekeeper system, which requires people to see a primary care provider in order to be able to then go to a hospital or a, a specialist hospital. And, you know, this might surprise people who think of China as an authoritarian country and surely they, they could just make people do this, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, it's something that we do in the UK. We can only turn up at a, um emergency room. And we can't just go to a specialist in a hospital. We have to go to our GP who refers us within the system. And China's struggled with that. So what you have in the cities is this really interesting... A very problematic situation where the the local city planners are planning for the local population to a certain extent they're planning the number of beds and so forth and size of the population and these kinds of things but actually many of the people who are seeking care in the big city hospitals are coming from outside of that city outside of the province even now people will literally just travel to a hospital arrive first thing in the morning and queue up all day in an attempt to see a doctor at a specialist hospital sometimes or at a general hospital. And that is Um, because
1: they don't expect to be treated appropriately in the primary hospital in their region.
0: That's right. They hear about the famous hospitals or they Mm -hmm. hear about famous doctors and they take themselves there to try and see them and you end up with these long queues and these masses of people. So unless you can somehow control that flow it's it almost makes a mockery of the attempts to, to plan hospitals in a in a given city mm-hmm. um, when so many of the people being treated are actually from elsewhere outside the system so it requires some kind of I think rethinking on that one
1: what kind of rethinking might that be I mean this uh, the guidance system you mentioned it sounds pretty plain and easy to organize mm-hmm. it's something we in Germany I think we also have and you mentioned it yourself that as an authoritarian state China should be able to implement that. Right away, why doesn't it work? And what do you think would they have to do to make it happen?
0: I think one of the things they would have to do is to probably control the hospitals and prevent the hos and tell the hospitals not to see people who are not local residents. For example, that's one thing that they could do. Or they could engineer the whole system so that people do are required to visit a general practitioner for a referral to a hospital. At the moment, because people can pay for the healthcare either with their health insurance, but often if they don't have health insurance just directly out of pocket, mm-hmm. that means that they can go anywhere and the hospitals benefit from this direct flow of cash that comes in. So
1: they would not refuse someone who comes up with a pile of cash? and No, no. they don't
0: no. seem to. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and so people might have insurance which they can use to have their health care costs reimbursed from their local hospital or a, a hospital in their locality or another kind of provider. But they will sometimes think, rather than use that insurance, I will simply go to Beijing, to this good hospital, and I will pay cash, and I will try to use my, you know, I'll try and bribe the doctors, or I'll try and use a contact, some, some kind of way to, to get my access to those people. And that's what happens if you have money, or if you have contacts. But for all the people in China, the many rural dwellers who don't have money or contacts, then those are not options. And so at the other end of the spectrum, you have people who can really only afford very basic care with a local primary care provider, a local clinic. If you've ever read my colleague Anna-Laura Wainwright's book about, uh, helped me about 10 years ago maybe, looking at people in rural parts of Sichuan where some people would just self-treat or go to the vet to get treatment because they couldn't afford or they thought the hospitals were going to be too expensive. So you have that at one end of the spectrum and then the other end of the spectrum, these amazing high-tech hospitals with lots of MRI scanners and charging high, relatively high costs for people which is then for the rich, for the better
1: off. Yeah. What do you think? There seems to be a big gap between what poor people can get in China and rich people in mm-hmm. terms of health care. Has this the potential to create bigger social tensions? And what is the Chinese government reaction toward that? Are, are they unsettled by the fact that this kind of tension exists and maybe even
0: gets worse? In fact, I did do a study, a survey About in 2012 2013, which is after the latest round of health reforms were announced, we found that uh, uh, rural dwellers weren't more dissatisfied with the healthcare system actually. They were relatively happy. They've just been, they didn't have healthcare insurance that's been introduced in rural areas in the first decade of this century. Even though that's not enough for people, they nevertheless feel that it's a lot better than the, the situation they had before and they do have some help. So people weren't especially dissatisfied, those rural dwellers we found on the whole. So I think one of the problems, coming back to the question of why doesn't the government force people to just sort of go to their local providers and, and get care there, is I think the government may be worried that there would be more dissatisfaction if they prevented people going where they want and, and letting people kind of you know seek care where they can. If they try and stop that, that could really get people upset. I think we have to sort of be careful to distinguish Dissatisfaction or satisfaction with the general state of the healthcare system. In this survey we conducted, we found that people were reasonably satisfied with the healthcare system. On the whole, the general public—if you ask everyone—the situation is very different for certain people, individuals who have had a bad experience, people who sought care and they haven't, the illness hasn't been cured, or a relative has died, or these are the, these are the cases that spark these attacks on doctors. You know, these kinds of you know, incidents, which are really not isolated incidents because they're they're very frequent, but they're not, for the most part, collective sort of action. And so I think people can be sometimes extremely upset and for good reason because of the problems they've had getting the right health care. But that's not everybody. The general public feels, I think, from this, our survey anyway, seemed to feel that the ger- general direction of travel was was right and they weren't overly dissatisfied with it.
1: Okay. Um, so there is many problems, mm-hmm. but altogether you would say that um, there's no reason for the Chinese government to think that this will end up in a kind of social uproar or revolution. Or <laughs> it,
0: It's interesting, you know, on the whole collective action around healthcare problems doesn't seem to be very common. You know, we have a lot of Protests for, for all kinds of other reasons, right, in China. Um, yeah,
1: there have been these reports about faulty vaccines and um, yeah. wrong cancer treatments or, f- uh, I don't know, forged sure. drugs and stuff like that.
0: That's right. There, there are but these you would cases. say that's separate incidents? It's interesting because it, with added. the vaccines, for example, you know, who are they blaming for that? Mm-hmm. Is it doctors? Is it the healthcare system? Or is it the government regulators and the producers of medicines? Perhaps people don't necessarily join up certain issues around you know seeking health in a in a hospital with with a vaccine which they would have got by the community provider the public health provider in the in the community where the problem may be that the vaccine producer was corrupt and we 've seen you know other scandals around product corrupt f- food products as well so people might think of it more like that and less as about the healthcare system perhaps mm-hmm. and of course. In any case, of course, the Chinese government does monitor these situations, try to deal with these issues when they arise, try to, you know, sort of help people who've had encountered these kinds of problems whilst pre- preventing the unrest and, and potentially um, arresting organisers of, of collective action. So there's kind of multiple things going on. And then the, the way that they control the reporting of these incidents, of course, will also affect how people perceive it and whether they... Think it's part of a wider problem with the healthcare system, but I think you can get individual protests around those kind of incidents, as you can around other kinds of uh, scandals or incidents in China, but you don't get general protest for a better healthcare system. If you see what I mean. Yes. Um,
1: all right. Yeah. We will talk about the what the Chinese government tries to do to improve its healthcare system in a second. Um, You're listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast of the Mercator Institute for China Studies. I am Claudia Wessling, and I am joined today by Jane Duckett, professor from the University of Glasgow, where she directs the Center for China Research. And Jane is a healthcare expert and has done a lot of research in China. The Chinese government has put out a strategy it calls Healthy China 2030 what exactly does this encompass? Can you maybe sum that up in three or four phrases for us?
0: It's, it's a very broad uh, initiative, broad-based initiative issued in 2015. The aim is to join up the healthcare system, uh, make it more integrated, as I've indicated, there's, because people can just go and see whichever provider they want to. There's, there's a, not very much integration through the system, from the primary to the tertiary care. And so, one of the things they're doing is encouraging the creation of local consortia or local organisations where these, where providers in a particular locality will work together. Sometimes the resources for that that entity and that consortium might be pooled or something to try and encourage a kind of collaborative way of working and tackling local health problems. So that's one strand of what's going on. There are many targets around sort of health targets for the population and, and targets in terms of um, you know maternal mortality, infant mortality, and all those kinds of things in the strategy. The other key element of the 2030 plan is around GPs and primary care, extending that. Um, That's also important. And then, of course, using IT as much Uh as they can to to overcome obstacles that they find in the healthcare system, especially the problem of reaching rural areas. So I think there's a sense that using IT, using internet plus medicine to reach remote areas and to use technology to join up providers and enhance the integration in the system is is something that they can do. Digitization
1: is an important topic also in the Merix paper on China. I mentioned that you put together, uh, together with my colleague Matthias Stepan. Can you elaborate a little bit on uh, the role in... IT is supposed to play in this effort to improve health services? Is it just bridging like borders between areas that were so far separate from each other? Is it the relationship between doctors and patients? Maybe
0: Um, I'm thinking of telemedicine or stuff like that. Has China gotten this far already? Telemedicine is definitely one part of it. Yes. And that is being used in some places to reach, as as indicated, to reach remoter areas, allowing people to sort of communicate with doctors even if they can't travel to see them so that's that's one way also within the healthcare system sharing records allowing records to, uh, of patients to be to be shared between different kinds of, so as I indicated, perhaps the primary care providers, the tertiary care providers, etc. So having electronic databases of patients' records. And is there
1: already already tangible results or is it working already in China? I'm thinking of the German health system where they're also trying to um, establish this kind of cooperation via IT technology, and it's very difficult because of data protection issues, because of just technical issues to make different systems work together on one platform and stuff like that. We have this health insurance card, electronic that doesn't really work is china facing similar problems or have they maybe even over- overcome those problems already and are about to leapfrog
0: <laughs> i don't i don't think they're about to leapfrog germany actually but uh, the, people do use it's it, it might be surprising for some people that it, to see how electronic it is i mean they do have health insurance cards and they seem to work actually as far as i can see people really use them to pay for the healthcare with them as far as i know at least in some parts of the country in other respects, they're still, you know, it's an ambition, but they're, they're far from managing to, for example, the, the record sharing issue. Data protection is probably less of an issue in China, but it is still sometimes an issue that is taken into account. I think more problematic is that hospitals have kept their own records, they've got different systems, trying to join that up is going to be very difficult. I think in most localities, they would, they're would they still struggling to deal with that, but the ambition is there to integrate but i think that will take them a long time.
1: Are there examples for uh, particularly successful local experiments in integrating it in the healthcare provision
0: or i think in places like Shenzhen they're mm-hmm. doing some really interesting things and they're able to sort of build systems from the ground up it's a relatively you know new area very high tech in itself you know relatively young and affluent population and so they've been able to to make advances that you wouldn't see probably in other parts of the country. But then you know you have a mountainous village somewhere, and people are really struggling to even you know have a have a decent doctor who can provide them with the with the right vaccines.
1: Still, a lot of big differences yeah. between different regions in China, so it might take some more time to get this all equaled out and
0: every healthcare system in the world sort of has its challenges and there isn't a really good model i think for china one of the things they the chinese government struggled with in the mid 2000s they had a review of the healthcare system and they sought advice they basically tendered out to about to several different sort of groups of experts chinese and some international as well For ideas about what they needed to do with the healthcare system, and they came back. Each group came back with a completely different kind of approach, and the party central committee apparently just, you know, sat there and said they brought in some more experts and said, "What do we do?" We're getting very different kind of sets of advice. Some people are saying you should try this approach. You know, the French approach or the German approach you know but we're not getting a consistent story do about you think anyone do.
1: will ever say we should try to take the Chinese approach is <laughs>
0: Chinese a model in terms of uh, not if, solving not in healthcare, healthcare problems not in healthcare not at the moment but you know it's a very big country though even richer countries with smaller regional disparities would struggle do struggle the British healthcare system is supposedly in crisis all the time and has been ever since it yeah. was it was created <laughs> that's why um, here <laughs> and so it's, there are not easy answers And and China did, unfortunately, for a time in the 1990s, go really rather too far towards commercialising, commodifying its healthcare system. They've retreated from that um, to a certain extent and really tried to extend the insurance systems. And they've done a good job in terms of, although there are big differences in the health insurance scheme's generosity, uh, nevertheless, across the country now, almost everyone around 92 percent of the population have health insurance that certainly wasn't the case 15 years ago so there's been real progress in that area and it shows a commitment from the government to to do that and i think they do see health care as something that people care about and also something which is a sign of a an advanced country you know a country that's developing and so, so forth so it's part of social development to have a good health care system so i think there is this kind of will to keep moving in the right direction.
1: Many challenges ahead. I'm sure, Jane, you will follow the events in China very closely. Um, anyway, thank you very much for being here today, for sharing your thoughts and your insights.
0: Thank you. And Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.
1: You have been listening to Merix Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please
0: visit us at merix.org.